Say it again. <laughs> the song confessional contains mature themes in adult language. Put your children to sleep. Song confessional contains mature themes. Mature themes in adult language. In adult language. Put, Put your, your children kid. to sleep. Okay, yeah, thanks. This is Walker Lukens, and you are listening to the seventh episode of. Explain to what we do here at the Song Confessional. So we travel around the country and we record people telling us stories anonymously. We call these confessions, right? So then we take our favorite confessions and we give them to songwriters and bands who then write and record original music based on your story. Here on the podcast, you're going to hear that confession, you're going to hear the song and inspired, and then an interview with the people who wrote the song. I'm sitting here with the, the Midland to my Odessa. What's your name, West Texas Gold? How's it going? I'm Zach. Hey, Zach. Zach, what's your last name? Canton Zero. And uh, what artists are we going to be hearing from today? We have the aptly named Odessa. And how might the people know Odessa? She's put out two albums under her own name. She's an L.A.-based singer-songwriter, not from Odessa or Midland, sadly. Yeah, she did live in Austin for a little bit. So we'll claim a tiny bit of Texan. You also might have seen her on stage with Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros, uh, barefoot, Old Crow Medicine Show. She used to play violin uh, as a touring musician for a long time. What's uh, what's the name of the song that we're going to hear today? It's called Lost My Head. Yeah, and you might you might know that song already because Odessa actually put it out on her last full length record. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. That's a that's a first for the song confession. Yeah, it, we were very really touched. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks, Odessa. That's quite an honor. Today's confession deals with. Pain. <laughs> Definitely pain. Heartache. Love. But mainly heartache. This week, our confessor is reading us a letter that he wrote to his ex-girlfriend. Yeah, he wrote this letter um, right after they had decided it was finally over. Mm-hmm. How, how long was the relationship? It was about five five or six years. It was um, first love, met in college, hot and heavy, beautiful romance. Mm-hmm. Um, they graduated college. She went to graduate school. He kind of followed her to graduate school. Yeah. Um, and then she got a residency that took her out of state and he realized he couldn't follow her. And that's where things kind of yeah started, started deteriorating. Yeah. And, and, and he, they, they went through several versions of this relationship that it, towards the end, they broke up and got back together a few mm-hmm. times. I talked to this guy for almost an hour. It was a long time. And so we decided to just give you the letter because it's it's a really beautiful kind of document. It is. He's a, it, he's a really sweet guy and they obviously had a very good relationship. It's not like the type of relationship that ended in, you know, anger and violence or anything weird like that. It was just like this kind of slow, sad deterioration of love. Without further ado, here's our confession. Confession. I want you to read the letter if you want to read the letter. I feel like that would probably be the easiest way to do it, just because I've like spent so much time going over that and making sure that it makes sense in my head. Okay, awesome. We'll please start whenever. <clears throat> okay. Um, dear Brittany, if we don't talk for a while, I feel that it would be an injustice to the relationship that we had if my last words to you were those clouded by frustration and misunderstanding, as I did not have time to think about them. 
So I wanted to take the chance to write down my words and really process them so I can be sure that they convey my thoughts the best that they possibly can. All I really have is my own perspective, and all I can really do is try to convey what feelings it has caused over the past year from how we've interacted. If I were in your position, I would have made the same decision that you have, because I know how much you leaned on our relationship for support, even if it wasn't as obvious to you. Even if it wasn't as obvious to you, I leaned on it in the same way. Losing that kind of support leaves some of the deepest scars possible, and the idea of, driving, of diving into something so serious at a point in your life where the circumstances are so ephemeral, especially in the face of those scars, is something I can't imagine many people would be willing to do. You've worked so incredibly hard to get where you are, and to take this chance and poten would potentially be risking all of that. But while I understand that decision, at the same time I recognize that we had something incredibly special, and I think a lot of people go their whole lives without getting to experience. We complemented each other in such a beautiful and unique way, from how I would keep you grounded by reminding you that everything that mattered in our lives was going to be okay, to the way you inspired me through your drive and passion to put so much love back into the world. In a sense, it was like we were inverses of each other, yet at the same time our temperaments lined up in such a way that we could talk through anything and understand each other given the time to do so. But most importantly, we really, really loved each other, not for anything shallow like looks or status, but for who we were as people beneath all of those surface characteristics that people often point to. And I fully believe it's the sort of connection that deserves the best efforts we could have offered it. I really wish we could have had a chance to sincerely reconnect with each other and see what we could have, if we could have made something out of this. I always felt as if nothing real was being put on the line when I would get these emotionally charged messages from you throughout the past year, whether it was sentimentality and sharing old pictures, or airing out sad thoughts. The interactions between us always felt to me as if they lacked the intent and follow-through I so desperately wanted them to possess. Back in September, the message I read didn't feel like a plea to patch things up and see if we can make this work, but a veiled attempt to get me to say that I had moved on, an attempt to shift the responsibility for why we hadn't tried again onto me despite the fact that I'd made it clear that I did want to try again. From what I can see, it's like there's all of this energy being put into telling yourself and everyone around you how sad you are about how things turned out, how much you wish it could be different, how you still tell people our story, and how you're still going to name your kids the names that we picked out together. Yet despite the massive amount of, mo of emotional energy that is spent expressing that sentiment in the form of words, I didn't feel as though there was, as though there was ever any follow-through on those words towards taking a sincere step to seeing if we could make it work, despite having the chance right in front of us that whole time. I think if we were to actually try and spending a meaning of, spend a meaningful amount of time with each other, we would easily discover that connection we still we have is still there, and burns bright as ever. The reasons I hear for why we aren't good together don't seem to add up or stand up to any sort of scrutiny, whether it's me being messy or your attitudes about intimacy. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying those weren't problems that we faced, but I know in my heart that they those weren't core issues with our relationship. They were symptoms of the incredibly oppressive circumstances that we were in at the time. I have no desire to live in a mess of a house for the rest of my life. I might not be the cleanest person, but that was simply how I responded to the depression that I was going through at the time, and it's something I've come to learn how to deal with in a much better fashion as I have matured. I don't think you want a passionless marriage either, but I understand why you lost that magnetism considering the way things were and how little I was investing in myself at the time. I feel as though the idea for how we would try again doesn't come across as very sincere either. Every circumstance or condition that I've heard for us trying again from you is either a catch-22 or just isn't based on any sort of reality a couple would try in again. And when someone sets conditions that are inherently incompatible with the thing that they are setting them for, what that tells me is that they don't really want to do that thing in the first place. I've always tried to approach the idea of us trying again realistically. I know and have accepted the fact that it's possible we could try again and simply not have it work out. 
but I felt that was okay because I knew there was so much potential in the incredible connection we shared, and I believed in my heart that it was worth the risk. However, the idea of us trying again in this wildly unrealistic scenario where we just decide one day, that's it, we're getting married, doesn't seem like something that a sincere desire that has a sincere desire behind it to rekindle a romance that should be at the heart of a relationship. There's no time to get to know each other again, no time to adjust, no time to let that love blossom again. It's just a jump into str straight into 100% commitment. And framing it this way just feels, to me, like an attempt to turn it into an absurd caricature of what trying again actually looks like, which makes this falsely extreme scenario that any sane person would say no to without really thinking about it. Uh, just some context on that last part, that's kind of... what When we were talking on the phone last, that's kind of how she presented the idea of us trying again. Just whenever it's time for us to settle down, basically. Mm -hmm. Um... I don't feel like people say the phrase, I just don't want to be with anyone right now in this kind of context and actually mean that deep down in their heart. It's basically a stand-in for, it's not you, it's me. I think people might try to convince themselves of the truth of it when they say those words in situations like this. I know I have done so myself. But I believe most come to realize that it was never really the case. They just couldn't bring themselves to confront the real reasons why, or they felt like they might have been protecting the person they were saying this to. If I didn't think we could have a life together, I would tell you, it was never our relationship that warned me, but the circumstances that we were in. And it honestly breaks my heart to wonder what could have blossomed, had things been slightly different, or had we the genuine chance to try again. That being said, I'm done walking to the middle of the bridge that connects us to stand there by myself, but I'm not going to burn that bridge for you if it's simply gotten to the point where you just don't want me to be that person in your life anymore. I'm not writing this in an attempt to win you back, I'm not even writing it expecting a response. I just want to be perfectly clear about what my perspective has shown me in this situation, so that there's no misconstruing where I'm coming from or what my intentions have been. Maybe if we find ourselves in the same part of the world in the future and neither of us has had our hearts tamed yet, then we can give this another shot, but until then I wish you the best. Sorry, that was kind of a lot. No, you don't, no, no one need to apologize. So, <laughs> did you did you sign it all my best? Uh, I wish you all the best. I signed it sincerely, and then I'm just gonna put my name. Oh boy, hey Walker, I'm sad. That was sad. I'm sitting here with uh, Jim Eno, the engineer, mixer, and producer of the track we're about to hear. Little sad boy today. Yeah, that confession. Whew. Yeah. Well, and and the song. Yeah. I have to say, I think the song makes me sadder. Yeah, true. And you can judge for yourself, listener, in a minute. This track is very sparse. It has drums, it has a synth bass, it has piano and a lead vocal. And an omnichord, which you've heard on every one of our producer notes. You're hearing it right now. Yep. Moment of silence. Hold on. That's the omnichord. That's right the omnichord. Yep. Okay. So it's got the Omnichord doing some high stuff. That's really end, beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, I think the most engaging and, and uh, beautiful part of the song is the backup vocals. Who performed those? Odessa performed those. And I don't know if you know this, you didn't mention this in her introduction, but she started playing violin when she was four years old. She's played at Carnegie Hall wow. and a lot of other places. So she's really great at that instrument. I've recorded her doing it. Um, but one of the things that I've, I've read is that when you're young and you play a non-fretted instrument, like guitar has frets, violin, cello, they don't have frets, you, your brain forms a lot of pathways that allow you to hear pitches a lot better. And when she did these background vocals, she had all the parts figured out, and we probably did all the background vocals in about 30 minutes. 
Wow. 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, that is very, very quick. Yeah. And, and these are not just simple oohs and ahs. They're right. runs and really... And harmonies to those runs yeah. and everything. It was amazing. I was, I was blown away. She's, she's great. Yeah. I mean, to give you some context for that, uh, the Mini Horse song, I know it took them around two to three hours to get the vocals for that song. And they're much simpler than what you hear on this track. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, but when you and I work together on your tracks... We're pretty fast. Me and you? Yeah. Like when I do yeah. a lead vocal? Yeah. 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 Or just in general, you know, we not we do like two tracks a day. <laughs> that's, not, that's not true. No? No. Well, I'm, I think it's like Tears for Fears. We spend like three weeks getting a <laughs> snare sound. Exactly, right. And then... Yeah. Uh, Five know. different drummers, one mm-hmm. hi-hat, one crash cymbal, one kick drum, one snare drum, all from different people. Now here's Lost My Head by Odessa.
Lost My Head was written by Odessa Jorgensen. It was performed by Odessa Jorgensen and Jim Eno. It was written, produced, and mixed by Jim Eno at Public Hi-Fi Studios. Man, so sad. Yeah, very, very sad so story sad. and very sad song. Yeah, effective song. But do you remember how your first relationship ended? First real relationship, anyway? Do I remember how like it felt? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it felt terrible. It felt terrible. And a lot like this guy, it just dragged out for so long. In retrospect, there were so many points where we could have gracefully ended it. Just tapped out and been amicable. And it just it just got so nasty and for no good reason. Did you do the try to make it work thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I think the reason I connected with this confessor so much is that there was a long distance component. Mm. Oh, it was like, yeah, yeah very synonymous. I, I, I had a, a moment um, at the end of my first relationship. Uh, I was in a period of my life where I used to go to... Uh, the library and I would rip CDs onto my computer. Oh man, uh, for, for all you kids out there, yeah. CDs went in the computer and had music on them. And you stole it. And you stole it. And we would have conversations about whether that was okay or not. <laughs> uh, so I used to steal records and I, I had ripped this Frank Sinatra album called In the Wee Small Hours of the Morning, um, which is phenomenal and I love, but at that point in my life, I thought it was just cheesy by definition. Anyway, I put this record on. It's like late at night and I'm, I'm listening to my headphones off my computer. Yeah. In bed. <laughs> and the first song is in the wee small hours of the morning. And he's basically telling, uh, he's singing about being up late at night, thinking about the person he just lost. And I'm just, I was just alone in bed just weeping quietly to myself like I'm never going to not feel this bad. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought about when I was when I was listening back to the confession for the first time in a while. It's like, "Oh man, that that raw that raw heartache." Yeah, it's yeah. real. I've had I've had my heart broken since then, but that raw first time feeling is so unique. To clarify that it went away, right? You don't feel like that anymore. No, not at all. <laughs> no, and I still I love that record, and it doesn't make me think about being that heartbroken yeah. young young person anymore. I like imagining young, sensey, emotional Walker. It's a it, it's a nice version of you. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just a callous thumb drinking yeah, coffee all the time. Thumb, <laughs> just just a walking blob of caffeine. Oh. <laughs> Midland. <laughs> Speaking of Midland, you get into all those emotions with Odessa in the interview. 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 Who, who am I speaking with? Odessa Jorgensen. And uh, may I ask you, uh, where, where did your name come from? Like, why are you, why, you have a, a unique name. Why does your yes. parents give you the name Odessa? Well, I have two very unique parents and <laughs> they my mom I think my mom saw the name we had a shower curtain that was a map of the world when I was little I remember this like some of my earliest memories and I think she just saw that name and really liked how it sounded and then it actually means it's sort of the Greek mythology origin so it means the long and endless journey wow yeah that's that's a great 
That's no a big great deal. Meaning for a name, yeah. <laughs> so I have to tell you that, that we yeah. we we all feel very uh, very honored that you wanted to include Aww. the uh, lost my head on your record, mainly yeah. because um, you know for the way that we've like approached this whole thing mm-hmm. is like it's kind of an ex- an experiment, you know, like I, th- this whole project honestly came from me sort of losing my mind on tour and Mm. feeling just like, you know, going on tour is like the least creative part of being a musician in a lot of ways. Like you go play the same Mm -hmm. songs every Mm -hmm. day. You're in the car, you get out of the car, you Mm -hmm. eat food that like you probably don't really necessarily want to eat, but it's the best option (laughs) for you. And then like, yeah, go play the songs and like obviously getting to play them for people who care about the music is amazing. But I don't know. It takes me very far away from what I, what I like about, you know, being a songwriter, which is writing songs. And, uh, and so, so for us, it's like this, for, for me, that started as a, um, a way to like rehab my own process Mm. of like, man, I'm just like, cut out the record release, cut out the show, cut out the album, cut out all of the stuff. And it's right. like, here's this person with a story. Here's this thing I can do. I'm going to do it. And it's going to mean a lot to one person. Like that was mm-hmm. the original idea. Like just right. cut out all of the stuff. And so the reason that we're so honored is because, you know, for you, you did the experiment and you did it in a day and then you wanted to put it on your record <laughs> instead of it being like <laughs> the exception. You're like, yeah, let's put it on my record. Um, yeah. So so I guess where I'm leaning going with this is uh, yeah. what made you want to include this on your album? I, I just, I really like it. I like the song and I like the, I like how it ma- it, ma- it makes me feel something. And yeah. I also loved, I mean, it was a very sad confessional, you know, in a, in a beautiful way. I, the, I listened to that and I cried several times Yeah, and he was so eloquent and well, spoken and he articulated that experience to where it really touched my heart. It's like, wow, I feel like honored to kind of just having, you know, he was so open to sharing and he was very vulnerable, extremely vulnerable. I agree. He was really vulnerable. Yeah. It really touched me to hear him, you know, well, maybe this isn't so PC, but hear hear a, a guy be so incredibly heartbroken and vulnerable. That's hard for all of us male or female yeah but i agree with um, you um but that and, was really moved me and, and also he was young you know yeah to hear a young guy be yeah so vulnerable and so articulate yes you know I, I think a lot of men in general but especially young men they like express their vulnerability through anger yeah and through kind of like more actions or you yeah, know, just a- the, yeah and- totally and to yeah. hear, yeah, that's a good, that's exactly it. It's through action. And so to see him be just so well-spoken and the fucking letter, the letter, oh, the God. letter was really what made me lose it. I'm telling you, it was crazy. And, and also that his, his romance was over a long period of time. I mean, it was like when they, when they started college and then, you know, to the end, I don't know yeah. how many years exactly. Me neither, but very long, like definitely. Yeah definitely the kind of relationship that's through uh, through more than one season of life 
Like, sure. It was, well, they weren't just kids or they weren't just college students. Yeah. They weren't just like young adults. They were several phases. Yeah. Yeah. And for him to say, you know, really in the letter at the end of it, he just said, you know, I still, I still love you. Like, but you know, we have to end this thing. Like, please don't contact me. I have to start, you know, I have to let you go basically because when you mm-hmm. heard this, yeah. uh, did it make you think about your sort of first heartbreaks or what, what did it bring up for you? If that's not too personal of a question. Sure. Mm, it didn't really make me honestly think about anything of mine. I really just tried to, when I was writing it, I tried to imagine myself as him. And if he was going to write a song, how, what he would say, like all the words, I just thought I, re- I listened to that story. Like, probably an embarrassing amount of times, like on, on walks, because I really, I, I really cared. I was like, okay, I want, I really want to write a song that is, you know, if this person could, could speak through lyrics and music, like what they would say. Yeah. So I listened to it a lot and like really got inside the story, which is also even just doing the project for me from the start, I don't really write about other things. I mean, I don't really, I, I do some co-writes, but they're never, it's very rare that I've written about a situation that doesn't involve myself. And um, that sounds kind of selfish. No, it doesn't. It, it really doesn't at all. <laughs> but I, I have to feel it. I really have to feel it in my bones. And so when I was writing it, I was like, all right, I just really, I, I tried to, again, just sort of imagine what he would say and sort of art put in the simplest words, what he went through and try and make a song that made me feel his story when I listened back to it. You, you know, know, when I listened to the song for the first time, I, uh, a lot of times my first experience listening to a song, confessional song is I think about this confession that I've heard a lot and I've already mm-hmm. have feelings about. And then I listen to the songwriter's song and mm-hmm. I'm like just comparing in my mind. But mm-hmm. the first time I heard your song, I thought about how fucking sad I felt. Like I felt like you oh. do a really good job of um, of making the story feel uh, like it's been transformed into its own sad narrative that mm-hmm. doesn't feel like you're just relaying the facts of the story to some extent. Sure, yeah. It Blind. felt like you really absorbed the 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 feeling of the confession and just like turned it into a completely different thing. Um, hmm. uh, yeah. The 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 two episodes that we have released of this, which is the um, this band called Croy and the Boys, and another mm-hmm. one called uh, Holiday Sidewinder. Mm-hmm. Kind of what makes their confession or their songs unique is that they. They took actual phrases from oh, wow. the confession. So uh, yeah. Anyway, this is one thing about yours that I, I feel like the sentiment had been like transformed to its own, yeah, its own world. You know, it's really yeah, yeah. Well, not you know, not me, not even knowing this person. I of course it was like became my my world too. Mm-hmm. You know, like how I, I'm sure I then thought about like my own heartbreaks and and yeah. all that. We've all experienced them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so Jim said this thing. He asked you how 
the confession was or what it was like. And, and you had said to him that you cried <laughs> several times. And, I am and I, such a crier. <laughs> well, that was kind of where I was going to go with this. Oh is my like, gosh. He said that you said to him, oh, I'm a crier. I cry all the time. Um, <laughs> which I, I, I thought that was uh, a little funny. Slash, I was just curious about that. Have you, have you always been a crier? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. I've always been deeply emotional, but who isn't? I don't know. I, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I remember crying at movies when I was a child. I mean, yeah. What, what sort of things make you cry? <laughs> oh my God. Anything, <laughs> everything. No, things that make me cry are just when, oh gosh, I, something that, like when someone is so earnest and you you feel what they're feeling, like they're able to relay it so clearly that it just goes straight to you. And yeah. I don't have much of a filter, you know? So like mm-hmm. if somebody else is feeling something, even if it's like extreme joy, that makes me want to cry too, because it's hitting the deepest part, you know? And... Tears are just such a, a wonderful way to express emotion. I don't really yell. I'm not like a yeller or like arguer. I would more just cry. But yeah, something that I think, honestly, I think I actually have become a little more open emotional, emotionally in the last couple of years. Like I lost my dad when I was 21 and I, I definitely went through a couple years at least of sort of bottling a lot of emotions up and not crying much. I didn't, you know, I just thought like, I have to be tough. I've got to be tough to get through life. And that is true. You have to be strong, but there's such a a relief and knowing that it's okay to be vulnerable too. And if something really moves you to say that it moves you or to actually, you know, to shed some tears or Mm -hmm. write a poem about it or whatever, it's just, yeah, I think it just as life goes on, it's just so precious. And all our experiences, even though we all experience a lot of the same things, each one of ours is very unique. Like our heartbreaks are unique. Our triumphs are unique. So when I see people expressing those things, like it just makes me want to cry because it's so yeah. beautiful, you know? Yeah. I, I, I actually, uh, my, my dad passed away when I was 20. Oh, uh, so I, ha- I had a similar uh, um, period after that of uh, being yeah. really tough, you know. Mm-hmm. And and one thing that that has definitely been true for me, always before he passed away and after, is that yeah. writing music has always been, and just listening to music has always been a way for me to connect with whatever feeling. And yeah. I always feel super grateful. Yeah. Like. To, I guess grateful to the universe or just lucky that I have that yes in my life because you know some people don't and they they don't that that exterior just gets tougher as they get older yeah that that is the truth mm-hmm. you know because life is it gets hard and you go through difficulties and there you do kind of become softer or you you, you can get harder too you can get harder yeah and yeah, um, totally. And maybe what, you know, again, back to the confessional, what moved me so much is that this young man's journey was a, 
he was, it just seemed like he was his, he was very open about everything and he, and he kept being open about it till the end, till the letter. Yeah. And I, I think it was nice to hear him and not just be articulate, but also have like, be able to zoom out, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. it wasn't sort of that blind. I mean, I don't mean this, I don't mean this like in a derogatory way, but it's like some people when they're really in their feelings, they cannot see beyond that. So moment. true. Yeah. And, and and it was it was I think the thing that really got to me and Zach was just knowing we're older than this person mm-hmm. and then watching them be able to do that so well. Yeah. And like say say, say things <laughs> to her that yeah. like I wish in retrospect that when I was younger I would have been able to say. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah I did it kinda it kinda made me think about yeah, a lot of like all throughout my twenties, like things that yeah, the maturity level was is yeah. was great. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I wish somebody would have told me that so I could have, <laughs> I don't know, grown yeah. a little faster. But we all go through things at our own pace. I like this guy and I like his confession in part because it's very nice to hear from a man who is emotionally articulate. Absolutely. Especially compared to what we heard last week, which is the epitome of emotional ignorance. What struck me in listening to last week's episode, which was the one, uh, it, the band mini horse and the song was not as clever as you think is that guy was totally talking to you, a complete stranger, like you're a man, therefore you understand and feel the same way I do. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't any of that in this week. Not an ounce of it. He like obviously respects his relationship, respects his partner, is very aware that there's somebody else to consider in his actions, in his words, in his presence. He like really genuinely cares about this girl that is now his ex, he still cares about her and still treats her with respect. And like, that's why he's writing her this letter. It seems like, because he wants to be as clear and respectful as possible as possible. And there, there are some moments of definitely anger. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's still angry at her. Rightfully so. That's, Absolutely. How, that's how you feel when a relationship ends. There's always going to be a little bit of anger and goes with sadness. It's nice to hear him articulate it at least Mm -hmm. and part of partially that's because he had written it down Mm -hmm. and been able to think through yeah he's not just emoting anger he's discussing anger have you ever had a relationship end and you wrote a letter like this i have uh i wrote a very long letter once not quite as long i don't think it was an eight minute letter but it was it was a very articulate letter that is you know in a similar fashion just kind of put all my thoughts in one spot and it helped me be a little more clear about them. And with the benefit of hindsight, that letter doesn't make you cringe in thinking about it. No, actually I, I think it helped. And I didn't send that letter. I actually read that letter to the, to the girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, it was kind of, yeah, it was almost more of like a, writing myself a speech. So I didn't get it wrong. Full disclosure. When you said that my immediate thought, uh, thinking back to my teacher training was, God, I hope she's an auditory learner. <laughs> I don't think she's going to be able to process.
says that, Zach? <laughs> I, gave, I also gave a printed out copy. I was very studious about oh, it. Oh, <laughs> that's so nice. If you would have acted it out to her, it would have been good if she was a kinesthetic learner as well. <laughs> Paint a picture. <laughs> Well, one uh, one thing we ha- we haven't mentioned that I do really admire about our confessor is that um, if you if you really kind of listen again to the letter, the heart of it maybe isn't about heartbreak. It's kind of more about personal growth. He he was finding himself and realized that that personal path was more important than a relationship, and that's a hard realization to make, and sometimes a really important one that we have to make in life because. We, we have this tendency to to want that connection so bad that sometimes we follow a relationship to the detriment of our well-being. And he was uh, able to kind of like pause, put the brakes on and be able to see that mm-hmm. before going too far and like living this life that maybe wasn't going to make either of them happy. There was a moment in there, though. I think the thing that broke my heart the most was he says all that and he knows why it should be over. And then he alludes to the fact that they had talked about when they could be married mm. later down the line. Mm-hmm. Oof, that's yeah. such a post breakup thought. That part was really hard. Yeah. And in it, it, it's, you know, it's just one of those things you tell yourself or in their, that case, they've talked about mm-hmm. so that you can get through the current moment, but there's no way it's going to happen. Yeah. When the stars align for this perfect yeah. moment to exist when the relationship isn't working in the yeah. current moment. It's like, yeah, that's that's never a realistic thing. It just sounds good. Yeah. For some people, I'm sure it's happened. If you have a story that you've lost your love and for some reason it came back years later, we would love to hear it. We'll get Odessa to write a song called Found You Again. Yeah, Found My Head. Found My Head. The theme song was written by me, Walker Lukens. It was performed by myself, Zach Catanzaro, and James Wesley Essery. It was engineered by Grant Epley and mixed by Matt Gerhardt at Public Hi-Fi. The Song Confessional Podcast is made by myself, Walker Lukens, Aaron Blackerby, Jim Eno, Ryland Kettery, Mike Lee, and produced by KUTX. Apologies to Matt Riley. Next time I'll let you take the top bunk.